You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with always. Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 1983 yet seen in 1987 slasher Blood Rage or slasher or Nightmare at Shadow Woods. Nightmare in Shadow Woods or Complex. Complex. That, by the way, is one of my favorite villains from the hit 90s cartoon series Bucky O'Hare. Complex was a giant mechanical frog the size of a planet that ran a frog empire. This is why I'm not interested in pop culture, children's entertainment, and never really, really was. (laughs) I had a Bucky O'Hare lunchbox as a kid. I don't even, I've never heard of Bucky O'Hare. I I barely believe you. Mutants and aliens and toads, beware if you're looking for adventure. Well, this is it. Jenny Dead Eye Blinky and Willie DeWitt. I said Bucky, Captain Bucky O'Hare. It goes where no okay, ordinary rabbit. Did you watch um, Biker Mice from Mars too? Biker Mice from Mars. Okay, no, stop, stop, stop. Okay, Biker okay, Mice from Mars. We can't. We can't. <laughs> I did watch Biker Mice from Mars. A funny a side story about Biker Mice from Mars, if I may. I'm going to be story boy today because I do actually have a story that I promised I'd tell. Oh, good. There was a there was a little girl in my class when Biker Mice and Mars was new, so we all would have been in elementary school at some point. She came in like cosplaying, I guess, as one of the Biker Mice from Mars, and she was indicating about how she was a Biker Mice from Mars and not to like fuck with her. She didn't say fuck with her. And then <laughs> she said a bunch of other things, but the fucking point is, as I remember, that she wouldn't stand for the Canadian anthem because she had to do it at the beginning of every fucking class. Yeah. And, and the teacher said, why aren't you standing up? And she says, just so authoritatively, biker mice don't sing anthems. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pretty good. I like this kid. I like this kid. <laughs> she was pretty good. Biker mice don't sing anthem. <laughs> okay. I guess the teacher didn't argue. I don't remember, but okay. I do remember that. And I wonder sometimes whatever happened to this girl. Like she grew up to be somebody that just fucking didn't give a shit or like a big cosplayer. I don't know. Somebody that really liked Biker Mice or Mars at the time. So people can make fun of those shows. Street Sharks, Extreme Dinosaurs. You can make fun of all those shows that you want. But those those shows captured people's imaginations, I would say. I don't know any of them. Anyway, so... Blood Rage. Blood Rage. Now, I yes, this is the month of October, but we're Canadian, and that means that this weekend, this very weekend that we're recording, is Thanksgiving. I gotta fucking leave this podcast, Lydia, and I gotta go fucking sit with my family and eat and drink. That's what almost everybody in this country is doing right now. I am going to address the drip in my washing machine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're all kind of having a big day, Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I mean, we did have some stuff that we wanted to do, but me being the diva that I am, fucking told Lydia what was what, and we were breaking the schedule because I had just seen Blood Rage. I had never seen it before, but I bought it because that's what I do. And after I watched it, I said, oh my God, it's a Thanksgiving horror movie. It has twins in it. It's gory as shit. I want to do it for the show. 
fucking now. Good call. Good call. Like, I totally agree. Uh, the only other thing that would have been on the roster that got bumped is Houses October Built. And I'm fine with extending Halloween from here on in. Let's just cover Halloween movies because we probably could for quite some time. That's true. Uh, we can we can bump all that. I'm totally fine with doing a Thanksgiving show for once. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. That isn't like we were saying on the last episode. That isn't fucking Thanksgeist or what? Poultry Geist. <laughs> poultry Geist, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that shit. So no, I, know. I like that this is a holiday-centric. It's not completely holiday-centric. They're not like constantly with the Thanksgiving angle, right? Well, it's not like anyone dies via turkey. No. No one dies via turkey. And no one gets a turkey stuffed on their head. No one gets like uh, stuffing rammed down their throat, which, (laughs) you know, I'm writing a new Thanksgiving horror film in my head as we speak. (laughs) Um, But there are some like um, seasonal sort of deaths, like the kitchen and dinner related deaths, which I like. And some cranberry sauce references. And I'm a huge cranberry sauce fan. You are that person. Let me tell you something. Yeah. Me and my roommate were talking about cranberry sauce yesterday. Because these are like, if you, got, if you ever want to know what a couple of like swinging dudes in an apartment talk about. Uh, well, we talk about cranberry sauce and how we've never really seen anybody eat it. And every year for Thanksgiving, there's a little thing of cranberry sauce that my mother makes every single fucking year without fail. And I've heard apocryphal stories that it is for my sister my sister likes cranberry sauce i've never fucking seen her eat it i've never seen anyone eat it i don't think it, you're paying attention that's what I, i've never seen a, a thanksgiving dinner without it where people don't eat it. i've never met someone that doesn't like or eat cranberry to, to sauce. me cranberry sauce is like fruitcake it's like why does this thing so prevalent why does it persist why is it still here and and and, and you're telling me that y- you love cranberry sauce it's like you're a like a fucking like homunculus or something like took this rare thanksgiving creature created to eat cranberry sauce and i'm not calling you a liar because i would never do that but i'm just saying i i doubt it the sad part is that i also like fruitcake i make a good fruitcake and fruitcake's been a big thing in my family and other families would have gifted my mom and dad their fruitcake so they could try their familial fruitcake. I started making um, pan forte. It's like an Italian fruitcake that's got like a chocolate base and it's made on um, communion wafers to like be a little... Like the body of Christ? Yeah. I want to be a little sacrilegious around Christmas and my mom used to love it. She loved this and she would bring it down to her like older gentleman Italian friends that are single widowers and stuff and feed them this wonderful cake thing that I would make. So, like, yeah, yeah, we come from totally different ends it's, of the spectrum, you and I. Well, yeah, you're, like, cooking blasphemous fucking fruitcakes. Because, let me tell you, we got fruitcakes. There was always a parade of, here's a fruitcake. Here's your, a fruitcake from your neighbors. Here's a fruitcake from your grandmother. Here's a fruit. And it would just sit on her counter, and I would just stare at it, being, who eats this fucking shit? It smells awful. It should smell like rum and cinnamon. No good. Whatever. I don't know. Cranberry sauce is good like i don't really eat a lot of like meals i don't make a hell of a lot of meals like aside from handfuls of nuts right (laughs) um but i do think i might go and get some cranberries and make some cranberry sauce and have it with some turkey Hmm. well i don't want any of the other trimmings you know stuffing and all that can go to hell uh potatoes fuck that you know what like a piece of raw turnip maybe that would be yummy to me but uh, so like that's what you want. It's like you want raw turnip and fucking cranberry sauce 
and like no potatoes, no stuffing. An entire turkey breast. An entire turkey breast. A little bit of cranberry sauce. Okay, gotcha. And I like making it because I make it like half sugar, right? So it's not like that shit out of a can. Gotcha. Yeah, like a cartoon where you just like sort of plunk it out of the can. It's still can shaped. Mom, it's broken. Yeah, fuck. (laughs) That's so gross. Who eats that? Who eats that? That's what I want to know. That's not even cranberry sauce. It's like cranberry product. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to springboard from this baffling fucking revelation about your uh food habits and we're gonna talk a little bit about i don't want to carbonate us a little bit like too much but but like on twitter there was a brief conversation that happened with our dear listener thomas and he was talking about like the clown thing that's been going on and he asked us about like clown things coming to canada or whatever and sure enough you linked an article and then all of a sudden, there's all these articles. They've, like, made their way. Even to Ottawa, because that one was, like, on the East Coast. And I had, like, scoured the news briefly when he first asked. So I'm like, I haven't heard a thing, but I'm just going to look for, mm-hmm. for his sake, you know? And then I was so excited when I was like, Thomas, Thomas, you know, the equivalent of, like, hey, hey. Um, <laughs> they're here. They're here. And yeah, the then here. they're here in Ottawa. There was one at a school. And it's just going to get worse. And Gary Dimmick, the lead crime reporter here in Ottawa... He used to work for the Citizen, now he works for the Sun. He had mentioned a couple of times, like, Halloween is going to be fucking stupid. And a lot of other people have had that same sort of sentiment. Whether you're, you know, worried about clowns or not, or care about this whole clown thing or not, the one thing that is true is that Halloween's going to be stupid. People are going to dress as clowns on Halloween. People are going to take this to the nth degree and be assholes as clowns. Who knows if there is somebody who's planning to do something nefarious as dressed as a clown just to be some sort of fucking reverse star like i don't know but it's gonna be fucking stupid i had told him and i had promised i promised you all i have a clown story Mm -hmm. and it's a story that i haven't thought about too often because it happened many 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 years ago but it is very creepy and i'm convinced it happened because there might be some of people listening to this story is like that well that didn't happen wes well it did happen and so this is my creepy clown story, and I don't really have an explanation for it, but this is what it is. So when I was a teenager, I used to go to, after school, I went to jiu every single day. And in order to get there, I would, uh, there was various like shortcuts that I would work out, but one of the shortcuts that I had for a little while was crossing through an alleyway. And this alleyway wasn't the alleys that you see in like fucking movies or TV, where it's like the mean streets of fucking Detroit, because New York doesn't have like the alleys like people think they do. It, It was a fairly wide open space, but I basically had to cross through like this back parking lot in a little alleyway. One day, I was walking towards this wall, and this wall was... There was a building, there was a wall, and the wall was maybe like eight or nine feet tall. It's just like this brick wall that just kind of sat there. That didn't really, I don't know really what the function of it was for. Maybe as a divider for some sort of like noise canceling thing, or I have no idea, or just like more privacy for what? I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. But it was just like this brick wall that was there. I look up, and just at the very top is a kid. And this kid has washed out clown makeup on his face. Mm-hmm. He looks kind of like Pagliacci's tragic clown or kind of like the crow or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, kid, he was probably, I'm going to say eight, eight, oh, okay. or eight or nine years old. Okay. And he's just looking at me from the top of this fucking wall. And I fucking just, he kind of creeped me out. And so I, I looked away and then I looked back. And he's fucking gone. And so I felt compelled 
to go forward. I really wanted to see what this was because part of me was thinking, was that like a weird fucking like, did I just hallucinate that? Like this weird kid, like the wall is impossibly high. And so I walk around and by the way, I'm not far from it. I'm maybe 10 feet, 10 to 12 feet away from this wall. I walk around and in this completely enclosed area, there's nobody there. Yeah, okay. And and I see the wall. The wall itself is complete it's it's a vertical wall. There's nothing to stand on. It's possible that this kid could have like scampered up there. Or got a boost or something. Or, yeah, or, or got a boost or something. But there was not enough time that I'm aware of that this person could have gotten up there, looked at me, gotten down. I not hear anything like scrambling or yeah, you would have heard like, him running away, like too. huffing of feet or something like that. And so I look around; it's just completely gone. And I just I was really really creeped out. Was it tall enough and wide enough that if the kid would have laid down, you wouldn't have been able to see the kid, and it would appear that the kid had disappeared? No, because once I got to the other side of the wall, it's like I could see like from the pavement all the way up to the wall. Like there was no place mm-hmm. for this person to. Hi. They would have to run. They would have to run someplace. And they would either have to get all the way down the rest of the alley to the outside of the buildings and like hit the street and like be gone. Yeah. Or they would have to hide in a there there was like maybe a couple of cars there. They might have had to hide in the vehicles. Yeah. Or something, but it was the middle of the day. It wasn't even like night. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I'm envisioning this entire thing happening at night. No, it was late afternoon, so I want to say about 4:30 4 30 just before five that's crazy yeah and i forgot about it and then years later i was reminded by it because a friend of mine had asked me has anything ever really strange happened to you and i always said no not really but i would tell like my haunted house story from the, the on the lake and, mm-hmm. and, and shit like that and i was like that was pretty creepy and 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 i can't really explain that but then like as i was sort of like going back to work i stopped and i thought about it and i was like wait, wait there was this fucking creepy ass fucking kid that came out of nowhere with like washed out gross clown makeup on and where did this kid come from why was he why like what was he doing and so and so like that that's like my other creepy story where i'm like i have no explanation to where this kid came from where he went what he possibly could have been doing Hmm. Yeah, and that's my creepy clown story. I like that. I like that creepy clown story. I like this kid. Yeah. 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 I like that you were close enough to see what the makeup looked like and everything, and you yeah. would have been able to hear everything. Yeah. You know, we're, we're the ones that are watching horror movies that are constantly like, as if those people don't hear that. Yeah. So we're very aware of how far you need to be away from things for yeah. sound to travel and like that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure you didn't hallucinate it too. Yeah. Because you're not crazy. No, I'm not. But like, I don't think I'm crazy and I hallucinate all the time, but I usually I hallucinate little things, not creepy, scary kids with the clown makeup. Like, that's a really uh, evolved fucking hallucination if you were yeah. had a hallucination. Yeah. And, so. he, and, and he wasn't wearing an outfit that I could tell. It looked like he was just wearing a black t-shirt and he had very messy blackish brown hair. See, I just want to blame Opie Sane, but this kid's too young. He's too young, yeah. But, like, he was kind of giving me that Opie Saint grin, though. Mm-hmm. Like, because he was looking at me like I'm, like, right? Like, he was <laughs> yeah. giving me that look where he's aware that I see him and that he's, aw- like, he seems to be trying to creep me out. Mission accomplished, little buddy. Like, I don't know where you are now. 
I, I feel badly for the clowns right now, and I also feel badly for the cops right now because there are people that hang out in clown type makeup. Like if Patron Santa Plagues had a show, they would be in makeup, and people would be bothering them. The cops have stopped them before. Actually, it stopped uh, at the time. I think he was his bass player, um, and we were standing outside of a venue, and the cops came up to make sure they weren't juggalos. Okay. Yeah, which was hilarious, and it was the first thing out of the bass player's mouth was. Hi, I'm not a juggalo. And he's like, good. I just wanted to check on that. What What are you then? What's happening? And he explained the show and horror punk and stuff like that and corpse paint and went through a, a mini lesson for the cop. And the cop was like, oh, cool. But there are juggalos in town that do wear face paint. So I don't know how the cops are dealing with them right now. Oh, no. Let alone people that randomly hang out in clown makeup for fun. Or, or, or maybe you're like a birthday party clown and you're like on the bus somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, we had a an ice cream truck drive by me and my sister with a clown with uh, quite horrible clown makeup, like shakes the clown on a bad day kind of clown makeup. And he looked at us with that same sort of look like, yeah, right? Look at me. I'm a fucking mess. This is hilarious. And I'm speeding in an ice cream truck. Yeah, awesome. Um, but yeah, I've never really dealt with a creepy clown. You know, I've, I've met a lot of clowns. I know a professional clown. If you want to count Opie Saint as a clown, I do. He's very clown-like. He's very clown-like. <laughs> really, it truly is. But they have something coming up. I don't know what it is. There's a countdown on, you know, you can check out their YouTube and Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, check out Andy Negative's work you as well. Yeah. Yeah, he has an EP out, so check that out. There's, yeah. But something specifically patrons into plagues because yeah. the plague face is being used. It's a countdown like their old-fashioned teasers used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Well, they're cooking something. They're cooking something. Maybe it's dinner. Maybe it's dinner. dinner. Thanksgiving dinner. Um, They're big on the holidays, them guys. They really are. Me too. I love the holidays. I love holiday-themed stuff. Except cranberry sauce. I don't like uh, cranberry sauce. I think it's a crazy joke food that's put out there to trick you into eating it, even though it's not actually food. (laughs) The look that she's giving me, guys. Oh, my God. It's like the only thing about Thanksgiving that I actually like. It's the only thing I hate. Okay. Podcast canceled. <laughs> Friendship over. Oh my god. This is truly what Thanksgiving is about, creeps. We are fighting. fighting. <laughs> like <laughs> I wish we were drinking. <laughs> no, man. No way. Get all sauced to be like, let me tell you something, Leia. Just like my friend Terry in this movie Blood Rage, I don't really drink. Then <laughs> I will get to that because I've got some issues with our friend Terry and his habits. He's a very peculiar person. But let's get into it. This movie opens up Jacksonville, Florida, 1974. We are here. We are now. We are watching a drive in movie. Yeah, The House That Cried Murder. Guess what? It doesn't really seem like one of those films that you got to pay too close attention to in order to enjoy because everyone is at this fucking drive in theater. To get down, to fuck, to bone in their cars, love stains everywhere. Yeah. I went to a drive-in once and I was excited that there was fireflies under the screen, like where the grass was and everything, Mm -hmm. because it was out in like a field and stuff in Gatineau. And I was like, I was like a four-year-old kid. I Mm -hmm. was so excited there were fireflies everywhere. I thought it was fucking magical. I don't quite remember. I think I've been to a drive-in maybe, but I have no actual 
recollection of it. I think it was just, I've been told that I've been to a drive-in. My parents used to go all the time. There was two nearby um, when I was really, really little. And they took me and my sister, like when, you know, we'd be asleep already. And they'd go to the drive-in theater and take us with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd sleep through, you know, movies when we were really, really little. But by the time we were two, three, four years old, they uh, closed these drive-ins and tore one of them down. So I'd never been to one until like a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the fireflies. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Even by the time this film was being made, uh, drive-in theaters were a thing of the past. Actually, the drive-in theater that they used for this entire sequence was one of the many abandoned drive-in theaters that uh, the multiplexes basically ran out of business. What a shame, because it's such a good idea. They do movies in parks now. Yeah, it's kind of coming back as like this sort of niche hipster thing. Yeah, I hope my parents didn't make out when they brought me and my sister when we were little. That's gross. Mm -hmm. Well, the machismo is on. They got a condom salesman in the fucking bathroom. They do, and I was tickled. (laughs) Pink. One of the, well, the one, the only uh, Ted Ramey. Yeah. In his first role, his first I really didn't think this was his first role. Yeah, it it, it could easily be confused. I mean, by the time anyone really saw this film, 1987. Mm -hmm. So Ted Ramey had already been in things that we've talked, that we've reviewed on the show that Ted Ramey has already been in. And also, um, but like in 1983, yeah, that was his first role. Physically his first role. And and he does a, a stellar job. Oh, yeah. Just just like fucking a vest full of condoms. I wonder if he still has that vest. <laughs> well, it would be a sound investment if he kept it. Hi-yuck, hi-yuck. <laughs> You're my Ed McMahon. You got to sell me on my, my jokes. I can't. I don't know who Ed McMahon is really. I, I, didn't he do some sort of sweepstakes thing, mail thing? It's a Johnny Carson show. I never watched it. Ugh. Gang, this is why... Talking to Lydia is so frustrating, but also why she is the only person for the show. The only person, because she is focused like a laser beam. She loves horror, guys. Don't you forget it. Speaking of horror, there's a lot of horrific things that happen in this fucking movie. Up front. Yeah, it does. Got... You know, everyone's making out, and that's pretty horrific. Uh, there's people that don't know how to kiss at all. Yeah, they're sucking like, on chins and shit. Yeah, licking cheeks or whatever. Like, we don't know what they're doing, but it's not kissing. It's... Like they're making out, I suppose. Maddie's like there. She's smushing faces. She's together. she's getting her thing on. Yeah. She's a single mom of two twin boys who are sleeping in the back of their probably wood paneled station wagon. Hell yeah! I didn't get a good look because I was distracted by all the weird mouth sounds. But the boys get loose and <laughs> fucking like instantaneously get loose to murder. Basically, that's what it seems because like everyone's making out all in all the cars around them. They do encounter the first couple. That are like mostly naked and know how to kiss because it's actually sexy and passionate what they're doing. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So how what do you how do you handle that? You ax a guy in the face. Yeah, he just wanted to ask him a few questions. <sighs> of course he did. Yeah. But yeah, it's really nice and bloody. The effects in this right away you get to know this is going to be super gory mm-hmm. and. They're not going to shy away. It's not going to be quick cuts. They're going to linger on the gore, which is awesome. And it's actually very, very well executed physical gore. And I liked this axe murder a lot. Several different shots, too, of like the axe sticking in the guy's face, the aftermath, the gaping wounds. Oh, wonderful, wonderful effects. Yeah, especially as the guy dies, it really brings home how much it would hurt 
to get hit in the face multiple times by a hatchet. Yeah. And I like the blood splashing across the popcorn, too. And this is where I exclaimed, although I do take it back, I exclaimed, this is going to be the new pieces for me. (laughs) It doesn't quite hit that high note that pieces does in my heart mm-hmm. but it was as enjoyable so for fans of like pieces will definitely like this mm-hmm. this uh the special effects for this movie up and down are all ed french people who pay attention to this sort of thing will know that eventually he would become an academy award winner for special effects and makeup and this was really the first time that uh his stuff was known to shine he'd worked in the industry beforehand but um, this was where he really wanted to do um a lot of stuff where the carnage was happening in real time as opposed to doing a lot of aftermath violence. Yeah, and so he's done a really really great job. I mean, this dude is a, a guy that's gone on to you know bigger and better things. Like he's had a very prolific career in the industry, but it all starts with little fucking horror movies like this and putting that fucking extra bit of attention and detail about wanting to make a really extreme gory slasher film even though by the time 1983 and he even talks about it a little bit in one of the interviews that's on the blu-ray how slasher movies were kind of already in eclipse by then they had toned down they had gotten a little bit more friendly uh because the mood uh of the country had changed had shifted so much by the time the early to mid 80s had rolled around which is something that i've already that i've always combated i've always found the idea of this reagan era of horror that people usually talk about i always fought it because i'd be like well they're not right because i would come up with examples about well this is a very dark horror film for the 1980s and so was this and this was pretty serious too um i'd uh, recently been uh reading a book dark directions which has kind of maybe changed my mind on it a little bit and we'll get into that more when we're going to be doing Toby Hooper's follow-up to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. We're going to be talking a little bit more about that. So I'll save it. I'll save that conversation. Okay. I will remind you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I want to hear more about this Dark Directions and Reagan era horror. Yeah. 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 One thing in the beginning as well that I had posited we should change our outro music. (laughs) to the lead-in music for this particular movie. The soundtrack throughout is really awesome synth. I really, really dug the music in this. Um, Richard Einhorn, he did the music for The Prowler, apparently. Yep. Uh, Really, really good, but super catchy. And it's almost like it was composed in situ because it's like hitting all of the beats that the killer... There's particular scenes where the killer is walking up to a door and the music is going along almost with his footsteps and like it doesn't exactly accentuate the tension there's parts where it's a little loud so it almost like you know counteracts that but it goes along with the movie very 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 well so it's not just random incidental music or Mm -hmm. just random tension music they hit a button and the violins start um although there is a little bit of that too but it's done very very well and it fits the movie very very well yeah, and and what I dig about it is it almost seems um, any type of new movie that is trying to capture the aesthetic and mood of stuff from the early '80s or the '70s. I you know a lot of Astron Six stuff and where they where they pump out a lot of synth music. This seems almost as if 
it's made now. Yeah. But 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 with because it's it's so specific and so in your face and but but it's like it's like no 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 guys it's unironic you don't understand yeah it's actually really good so it almost seems like it's being remastered cause yeah it's that good yeah like yeah. how they'd remastered the score for pieces mm. so watching it if you hadn't known and you're watching the one with the remastered score you'd be like god damn this is good mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that's because it was made that good because the original music wasn't this good mm-hmm. um, but this is that good this film really belongs in the category of early eighty slashers like pieces like prowler Mm -hmm. where they're very unapologetic and you kind of wish that some of the more well-known slasher movies had this level of special effects and gore in them you know what i mean i guess they're riding on a maybe tighter storyline and more believable characters that's true yes but why can't i have it all Lydia. I know. I know. You want it all. That's want, what Wes wants. Want it all. <laughs> um, and there are films that deliver it all. Very few. And they're the gems of yes. slasher horror history. Yeah. This is... I, I can't believe I've never heard of it. I, I can't even chastise you for that. Not that I would. But I fucking never heard of it until I went to an HMV and they had all of these Arrow Blu-ray releases. Um, tons of them. That all came out, and I bought Spider Baby because I wanted Spider Baby. Yeah. And then I kind of just looked up the trailer online, and I was like, yeah, yeah, all right, I'll get this one too. And I uh, like watched it, and I was just, oh my god, this has, this is, this has to, we have to do this for the show. This is everything but believable characters. This is <laughs> you know, everything, everything but. but it could have been characters. very fucking terrifying. Yep, it absolutely could. I think that they did spend, but you know what? It, one of them said it best in one of the interviews. It's like most of us knew what we were making. They didn't. They didn't think of it as anything. They didn't think of it as high art. No, it was just going to be a campy splatter horror. Yeah, that's all they were doing. Eh, it's just some violence and it's some boobs, and that's what we're doing. And uh, <laughs> and some actors uh, didn't believe that. So yeah. The mother. And I had said that if everyone had acted as seriously as the mother, this could have been a fucking terrifying movie, but it it might have gone even over the top because she creeped the fuck out of me. If everyone was that intense in this, it might have backfired entirely, but I wish that it would have found a level of intensity that could have been, you know, as terrifying as something like Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. 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 It really could have been if it was treated a little more seriously. And when you say boobs, there isn't even really a lot of boobs. There's a couple nah. of shower scenes that are actually treated um, very utilitarian, very yeah. normal. And I really appreciated that. Uh, you get some amazing nipple action and some very pretty cleavage. But other than that, it's not like overly sexualized. There's a lot of sex and people are horn dogs. Don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> but it's not like a fucking porn and it's not like all boobs and blood right a lot of blood and that makes me very very happy because you could say boobs and blood but i mean tight shirt and big nipples that's enough boobs for me (laughs) all the blood that's in this oh my god yeah it is nice and bloody makes me very happy i thought it might well thank you sir (laughs) for thinking of me i was i saw twins yeah. I saw gore effects. Mm-hmm. And I just said, at the very least, even if you said no, let's stick to our schedule. 
I would have lent you the movie because I, I was like, well, you have to watch it at least. Well, hell, if you'd have known how much I like cranberry sauce, <laughs> then it would have been a shoe in You might have even kept it secret and surprised me. What is your fascination with twins? Have we ever talked about this? No, no, we haven't really. And it's not like a deep, dark fascination. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm not, sure you wish it was. I'm not trying to say... Gang, it's, I'm not saying she, like, fetishizes twins. It's not that. No, I fetishize totally different things. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's really cool and creepy. I have twin cousins, and when mm. they were, when I, we found out that my aunt was having twins, and when they were born and everything, I was just like, I want to study them. Mm-hmm. I thought they were, like, I kids in school that were twins, I would just be fascinated with and trying to see their differences. I grew up in a place that is famous for being the birthplace of the Dion Quintuplet. So maybe that's mm-hmm. part of it. As a little kid, I had like Dion Quint's paper doll cutouts, Dion Quint's plates and spoons and everything, like all sorts of memorabilia from when they were really hot in the 40s and war era, right? Um, so there's a lot of like quintuplet stuff around me when I was little. And I just think twins are neat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, watching Cronenberg's Dead Ringers is yeah. one of my all-time favorite films. Mm-hmm. I find it very, very creepy. I like it when twin actors are portrayed, whether they look alike or not. That doesn't even matter to mm-hmm. me, whether they're identical twins or not. But identical twins are even more creepy. And reading, there's other like horror novels when I was a kid that I would pick up from the used bookstore all the time. And if it had to do with twins, I'd love it. And there was a lot more of that going on than there is in film. Mm-hmm. A lot more horror novels dealing with evil twins. This is why you got to play Fatal Frame 2, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I know. I, I got to play Fatal Frame, period. Yeah. And I do like part twos of things. Is there a Blood <laughs> Rage 2? There's not. Uh, no, we were not blessed with that. Well, I am totally going to write a screenplay called Blood Rage 2. Mm-hmm. The bloodening. Leftovers. Oh, my God. That's fucking great. Yeah, there we go. Oh, my God. But it does start with this, like, whole driving thing. And the kids have killed, well, one of the kids has killed this guy quite brutally. Oh, hell yeah. And what does he do? As soon as he's done, he wipes all the blood on his twin brother, who's stunned. Yeah. Absolutely stunned. And it's one of those films, though, where I was like... How how can the mom and the date not hear the kids get out of the car? Yeah. They're right there in a closed car. You mm-hmm. can hear people get in and out of a car when you're in it. Yeah. They are running up toward the boys and the screaming and the murder. And there's like quite a crowd of people. And they're like, you know, maybe 20 feet away. And the one boy is wiping blood on the other boy. They can see this happening. We can see them seeing it happen. Mm-hmm. How come no one sees through his clever ruse? <laughs> Drove me nuts. And it seemed very half thought out. Yeah. This whole thing was so strange. I suppose Terry has this unabashed urge to kill. And I guess, but why now was he using this as the time? Why is now the time to deploy? Because everyone's making out. He doesn't like that. that He's a bit of a goody goody. That definitely seems to be. A lot of it, it seems to have a, he seems to have a very adverse reaction to sexuality, displays of sexuality. I would think that I suppose the thing that would have triggered him initially would have been seeing his mother trying to date, um, making out yeah. while they're asleep in the back. And so he needs, he feels the need to explore. He's going to kill other people that are also participating in this and then he i guess he has a perfect scapegoat because he can use his brother 
who's too stunned and shy and meek to do anything about it. So while he's pulling this whole son of Sam thing, mm-hmm. it fits better with the shy meek one, unfortunately, psychologically anyway, because you've got this like robust and confident other sibling mm-hmm. that is actually doing that actually killed this guy with the hatchet knows it's wrong because he's covering it up yeah and letting his brother take the fall yeah i could see that how psychologically that would actually fit better to take the shy meek quiet one and assume that it's probably him so it worked unfortunately very well for terry Mm-hmm. As a, what, eight-year-old boy who mm-hmm. made this nefarious scheme on the fly. It's true. We jump ahead in the plot ten years later. It's Thanksgiving, and everyone is sitting down to a lovely meal. But not before Maddie, Terry, and Todd's mother goes and visits him in the asylum. Now, there is what I'm going to classify as a ridiculous scene between Todd's mother and the doctor, who's telling us, the audience, this story about... <laughs> How she believes after all of these years that Todd didn't commit the murder. And she's trying to explain that to Maddie while Maddie is losing her damn mind. Yeah. Because she doesn't want to hear about it. It's hard enough the idea that her son is a murderer. But perhaps for the last decade, the wrong brother has been in this place. She just fucking loses it. But don't you worry, Lydia. Don't get twisted. This doctor has training that'll tell her exactly how to calm this woman down. Which is hilarious because we're told all of this in a voiceover. (laughs) And then the woman calms down. And it's like she didn't say anything to her. She told us she said something to her, but she didn't. But whatever. Like, this is stupid. And it's crazy because when you first watch this fucking scene, you think that perhaps maybe, is there like a fucking audio problem? It's because the mouth movements do not match up to what Dr. Berman's saying. And so you think to yourself, oh, is this like a fucking bad dub? It's like like ADR problem. What's going on? And then you're like, oh, no, she's narrating over the scene that she's in. I've never seen this before. I've seen it definitely but not only used once you know what i mean when there is a narrator when somebody's telling a memoir and stuff like that they do it in the film amadeus at least that's the first one that comes to mind but like the solieri does it but um (laughs) several times it wasn't he has a chip on his shoulder it wasn't them laughing at me it was god can you blame him but it's only used once in this film It is only used once in this film. And I think what's fucking me up is the fact that there's actual dialogue in the scene that they kind of jump in and out of. Yeah. And then then Dr. Berman is just like, well, thanks to my training in psychology, I knew exactly how to calm her down. And there's no exchange of fucking dialogue. And then all of a sudden, Maddie is just calm. I was like, well, what the fuck did she say? What's going on? And, And it's so weird to me because it's the equivalent of, all right, guys. Here's my plan. And then... It works much better in print. I'll tell you that much. It works much it must. better in It print. must work better in <laughs> Using print. Using the technique of like, you know what? Like, we're going to have to talk about this. And then jump paragraphs and be like, they talked about it. Yeah. Whatever it was. You or know? like, I'd be fine with... With a scene where, and so I caught them up on a bunch of information that we, the audience or the readers, already know. That works too, right? 
but like this is like a weird fucking I don't like this at all and like and honestly at this point in the film I'm like I don't know about this one they must have just fucked it up you know what I mean like they had this scene it didn't work they had to fix it and post and that's the only way that they could figure out how to fix it I don't know what would have went wrong all I know is that moments later it looks like Todd has a handful of baby shit and he's smearing (laughs) it all around in a ball and then he throws it at the wall it's pumpkin pie okay we figured that out by the end of it it took us like the whole movie to figure by the end of the movie it's like what we thought um you had suggested it might have been a cookie uh, like a peanut butter cookie that he something like that, up, and he did it really quickly or something, or oh, added man. a bunch of spit to make it gooey. But or he's something. not having it because he now knows that he doesn't belong in this place. He has finally, after a decade, has come out of his catatonic stupor and is now recalling what actually happened, and he knows that Terry was the one to frame him from this crime. Which is terrifying in and of itself. And no wonder he's pissed off about the pumpkin pie. He doesn't want stinking pumpkin pie. What he wants is out and his brother to face justice. Yeah. Yeah. He's ten. still kind of meek and, and quiet. And he's probably been sedated and whatever for 10 years. And he's in isolation. So he's a quiet fella. But he started out as a quiet kid, right? So mm-hmm. his mom is a ridiculous human being anyway. So she just goes home and has Thanksgiving dinner. It's true. It's true. She does. And... During the Thanksgiving dinner, all is well, seems to be. But good news. Maddie is now going to make it official with her now boyfriend, Bill. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get together, finally tie the knot. And boy, Terry does not seem to like that. His pompadour fucking like shrinks down a little bit. His pop collar curls a little bit. Well, I don't know, Wes. He said that he was very happy and happy for them both. And he really is very, he feels very happy for them both. And congratulations. Well, I don't know, Lydia, because to me, when I'm looking at somebody talk like that, I can only describe it as reeling in their madness. Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't do a very good job of it. Especially like that first part, you want to almost have that Kill Bill sound going oh off in the God, background or something right like, yeah he's pretty pissed about the whole thing so he cheers them with a big glass of milk yeah and i know you love that but you know what uh and even the way that he says um to bill well so you're the head of the family now you just start pulling your own weight he's like like holding a carving knife up to it and flips it around I was like, that's very threatening. Yeah, even it was very even threatening. if even if I didn't think that this person was capable of murder, if I was watching, if I was at a Thanksgiving dinner in which this happened, I would lean over to the nearest person and be like, "What's that all about?" What I don't get is why everyone likes Terry so much. Like this is the first we've really got to meet Terry, and he just comes across as a studly asshole. You yeah. know, and he's an asshole to his girlfriend. He's an asshole to his soon-to-be new father, and like threatening to him he's a bit of an asshole to his mom really condescending to his mom and then she gets a phone call that she takes in private in the kitchen that todd has escaped Mm -hmm. which is pretty serious she takes it pretty seriously and the doctor's on her way they're pretty sure he's gonna come home so and that like to me i love this angle actually i really love this angle um she doesn't want to upset anyone. She just wants to get through Thanksgiving dinner. We'll see how it goes. You know, if he shows up, the doctor will be here. Hopefully it'll be okay. She kind of wants to keep it quiet and just enjoy dinner. And as soon as they sit down, Terry's like, so it looks like you're going to re- meet the rest of the family. My psychotic brother just escaped the asylum. 
<laughs> and she looks at him just like, you fuck her. But they carry on with their Thanksgiving dinner. I'm thinking, what a dick move. Why do people like this guy? I know. No one seems shocked that he said that either. It doesn't halt dinner. Record it scratch. Should be it record should scratch. halt dinner. It should halt dinner. And my God. Yeah. Everyone's just like, oh, really? Okay. Oh, gee, pass gee. the pa- yeah, pass peas, them. pass the corn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah everyone's really good, mom. Yeah, everyone is just so. Except the mom. She's, yeah, the mom, she's, she's frozen on stun. Mortified. Yeah. Mortified. <laughs> everyone else is just like, oh, cool. Okay. Potatoes. There's no continuation of that either. There is no repercussions whatsoever. There is no co- private conversation later. Like, why the fuck did you? They definitely needed right yeah. there because he just totally stepped all over her. And made an actual fool of her yeah. in front of... They just announced their, like, engagement or whatever. So, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just all a real familial mess. But what do I know? I don't live in Jerry Springer land where these people live. Mm-hmm. It's Jacksonville, Florida. That's where they live. It's Florida. It's Florida. Yeah. Well, Dr. Berman and her very, very loud and gun-happy assistant, Jackie, show up. This kind of... Uh, this is after dinner. This is, uh, so I guess Thanksgiving went off without a hitch. Uh, Karen and her family go home and it's just them cleaning up. I the sexy noti- new neighbor has announced that she's going to go babysitting, to which Terry's like, I'm going to come hang out with you later, which is just weird to me because we mm. all know what, what's on their mind. And he says this in front of his girlfriend. It's another reason I think Terry's a fucking dick. Yeah. Why do people like this guy? Yeah, this, this by the way, uh, listeners, what this is, it's kind of like Melrose Place. Like it's, uh, if, I don't know if you don't remember that reference, but it, it's like a, it's like a, a series of what, condos. Yeah, basically. that's I think where the title complex would have come in. It would have been a perfect title for the movie as a double entendre because he has a complex. They live in a complex mm-hmm. and having 14 fucking names for a movie gets a little complex. <laughs> it's pretty good. I think that you're probably right. And it's a pretty swanky area. It's got an indoor pool. It's got a tennis court. It's uh, These are fairly affluent people. Now, Maddie's new fiance i guess he is at this point is the building manager Mm -hmm. which is where they would have met right they move into this building and she starts cozying up to this woman we don't know where uh terry and todd's biological father is i mean not that it really matters or her last boyfriend because i guess that's a deal breaker they're like ah your kids are crazy Mm -hmm. yeah one of them just killed someone on our first date too much chest hair for me it was too you know yeah he did have a lot of chest hair yeah I, i was like button your shirt man or something. Or something. Do something. But this sort of rallies everybody. So, of course, the first mistake happens where Jackie, like, fucking shoves his gun up in Terry's grill because he thinks he's Todd. Now everyone's separated. This seems to be, in Terry's estimation, the perfect opportunity to start murder again. It's, again, exacerbated by his mother making out with a guy because... His mother and the building manager start making out because he wants to calm her down because her insane son has escaped the asylum and it's very, very upsetting to her. And he wants to have sex, thinking that'll chill her out, which is just fucked up to me. Oh, And then she comes back with like double fucked up and us being like, I'm just going to tidy up a bit and then maybe I'll feel better. Thinking like, I'll just clean the house and then I might want to fuck. No, he's got the magic stick. Whatever. But Terry sees them making out. And it's like that, you know, freak. It's like that 
blood rage mm-hmm. overtakes him. And then he goes off to start slaughtering everybody. And man, does he ever. You know, the first thing that I thought of was like, because his weapon of choice for a lot of these early murders is a machete. Mm-hmm. Machete. Yeah. So we see some really good machete deaths here. The kind of machete deaths you'd want to see from uh, uh, Jason Voorhees. That is exactly what I was fucking thinking about. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God, this is making me lament the kills that shall never be yeah. Lydia. Yeah. Because those movies have been made and they got cut to shit. And I'm hoping one day, one of these days, they're going to, like, someone's going to uncover some reels in mothballs. Yeah, I always keep hoping that too, especially with the machete kills because I do really like machete death. And there's a lot of nice and machete chopping and impalement and all kinds of cool shit in this movie. Mm. You could actually, if you want to like splice it out and throw it into a Friday 13th, you could just tone it and away you go. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Now, Bill is like kind of being a help. He basically just tells the doctor and her assistant well, there's a trail over here, and there's the back porches over here. If you need me, I'll be in my office. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, dude. So he goes to sit in his office, and that's where Terry fucking fucks this dude up. Now, you think it's only going to be like a lame old chopping off of the hand, which is pretty great because the hand gets chopped off. There's this wonderful little touch of the beer can that the hand was holding getting crushed by the twitching hand. Mm-hmm. And then there's just like squirt, 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 skeet, 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 blood everywhere. There is blood everywhere. And like all over the walls and everything. Like it is very, that's quasi-realistic. Uh, it's, it's a really, really, really good effect. Yeah, but when we cut away, we don't see exactly what happens to him. And you think, oh no, we, well, we missed like a really good kill. Well, we'll get back to that eventually. Mm-hmm. Um. Then <laughs> Terry just kind of goes on a fucking rampage, takes out the doctor and the assistant quite quickly, honestly. Yeah. The, the assistant uh, doesn't get it too, too bad, but the doctor, Holy very nice effects God. too. And we, it seems that we've missed something. I, I wonder if there is a scene of her actually getting chopped in half because we, you know, it's like, Here's a death, here's a death, cut to the woods. There's a lady in half and guts everywhere. Uh, according to horror uh, horror trivia fans, if you guys are interested, uh, and according to a lot of the special uh, features, especially that um, uh, the special effects guy, um, Ed, was talking about, there is a cut scene. Oh, sweet. With that bisecting. He had originally had her getting bisected and her lower legs continuing to run in the other direction. That's why they're a couple feet away. So the legs, he said that they did it and he's, he kind of shrugs his shoulders and says, he doesn't know what happened to that. I guess it didn't work. It ended up either being too goofy or it didn't film right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm guessing. And, and so what you're left with is what they have. So you can kind of see the legs moving a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like for like a second blink and you'll miss it. But I guess that's what happened. Hmm. Which I kind of agree would would have made it a little bit more cartoony, but eh. And he probably had some sort of one-liner too. And his one-liners aren't bad. That's the one thing that usually ruins a lot of these. There's a couple stinkers, of course, but it's the same one both times. Um, <laughs> he He is a pretty funny killer. Like I like his madness. It's so calm. Yeah. Where he doesn't even really 
get it. Like he gets it. Oh yeah. But but he but he's pretending like he doesn't really get it. I'd have liked to see it ramped up a little bit more for him to just to be like so aloof. And even the things that he's saying that really fit are funny, but have like the most dry delivery. I I love that. And I wish they could have dialed it up even more because he does it more near the end. Mm -hmm. But if they would have been doing it right off the hop, I would have liked that because it would have tied in really well with his like, you know, Nike fucking polo shirt and drinking milk and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you know, and his like aversion to sex. Mm -hmm. It would have like played in very, very well. That aloof manner of the things that he would be saying to the people that he's killing. Yeah. Hilarious, actually. What's less hilarious is that he's got a couple of fucking douchey friends. Yeah, I can't stand them. They actually make fun of him uh, yeah. over his crazy <clears throat> brother. And it almost comes to a fight. And I wanted to see it by that point because what they were saying was just absolutely rude. If I knew that a friend of mine had a family member that was in a mental institution for murder, that in itself is not something that you joke about. No. And then... If I was told that that person has now escaped, that is even less time for jokes. I wouldn't be like, well, what we should do is go party. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to me how nobody, certain people bring up calling the police, but it is almost instantly shot down by everyone. Well, I suppose that it could be because everyone thinks the doctor is there with her assistant Jackie and their guns and tranquilizers and stuff. Why does anybody think that this fucking doctor and her assistant is any use whatsoever? By the way, as far as they know, he's a dangerous person that is killed and is unstable enough that might kill again. He's escaped the fucking asylum. She's like Loomis. You know what? I was thinking about that. I was like, here we have a film, Lydia, mm-hmm. about somebody uh, who was killed when they were very young. And wrongfully put into a mental institution, but is now on a holiday, escaped the mental institution, and is coming back seemingly for a family member. On a holiday. On a holiday. Mm-hmm. Remind anyone? No. No. Not- but the doctor reminds me of Lucas. <laughs> the doctor reminds me of a very... She needed like an ominous... Like the blackest eyes. Yeah. The devil's she's eyes. She's nothing like Loomis at all. Uh, <laughs> she she's an that. idiot. She's an absolute she, idiot. You know what? Let me tell you something. Loomis would have shot Terry 50 times before. The, but the minute he saw him, she, he would have pulled out that fucking gun, shot Terry so much, just perforated this motherfucker. Yeah. Whereas uh, this doctor, she doesn't draw her. She has the tranquilizer dart and she has a revolver. In her purse, yeah. She doesn't fucking pull any one of them. No. This guy is coming towards her with a bloody machete. I was like, man, Loomis would have smoked this guy. And if you know twins well enough, and that's another thing that's a little bit of a sticking point. I've had identical twins in my family. I have friends that are identical twins. I went to school with lots of identical twins. Mm-hmm. You could tell them apart. Yeah. Like there's, I've never met identical twins that you cannot tell apart, that no one can. And unless they're actually trying to trick people, I don't think like they'd be able to trick their parents or a doctor who spent 10 years of his formative life with this kid. I'm pretty sure she'll be able to tell one from the other. Mm -hmm. Everything from like body languages to subtle physical differences, like um, just that she would be able to tell. Yeah, for sure. But it doesn't matter because she gets bisected. Yeah, true. (laughs) 
Now there is a babysitting going on. If you call that babysitting. She's trying to... Uh, Terry goes to visit his friend who's babysitting. And she tries very hard to make out with him. And he just puts the brakes on that over and over. And then they end up watching a horror film, which is great. Because somebody's getting axed to death. And he's like, that's so violent. I can't believe they put this stuff on TV. <laughs> which I guarantee you... Is I was like, well, that's going to be in a trailer, like, right? Like, it should be. Yeah, <laughs> he has just killed three people, and yeah. he is a murderer, and it's hilarious. I think yeah. that's hilarious. It's a great fucking line. I'm fucking drinking tomato juice. That uh, tomato juice is yummy. No, it's not. Wow, we are just like on opposite ends today, aren't we? We really, really are. Um, mixing that with vodka too seems like a very strange. Isn't that basically what a Caesar is? Caesars are disgusting to me. Oh, well then. Hmm. <laughs> I like a virgin Caesar. I know you do. Yes. They're also gross to me that other people can't enjoy them in front of me. Yeah, unlike a glass of milk in me. <laughs> you know what I'm ordering the next time we go out for dinner? I don't even want to think about it, man. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. You have to put a barricade up between you and your face like you do for you and your ketchup. <laughs> That's a very inside joke, but it isn't like ketchup. No, wait, is it that you don't like ketchup? I like ketchup. I just don't like the things people do with it. Right. So so basically... I don't really eat ketchup very often. Yeah. Like, I don't like I hate the smell of it. Yeah. If it's begun to oxidize, if it's been on gotcha. your plate for more than 20 minutes, I want to leave. Um, yeah. I can so, smell it a mile away. It's disgusting and I hate it. So if you must know, when we go out to dinner and I get something with french fries, was often because I often just eat hamburgers because uh, I'm 12 years old, basically. Uh, what I do is I put the menu, I make a barrier, I make a wall so she can't see it. Something You're not the only one. Many of my friends do, especially like if they're putting ketchup, if they decide to spread it around something, I can't, I just can't yeah. even watch. Yeah. Mm. I'm getting all nervous. I'm, I'm destroying this piece of fabric. Okay. 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 Well, we're moving on from all this. Yeah. We'll stop talking about ketchup. Yes. We're done. We're done. So this ketchup like blood that's all over. <laughs> it squirts quite like ketchup. It's you know? true. It's true. But you um... could have made a joke about it. Not being ketchup. But instead, when he decides, you know, he's covered in blood and he's going to go hang out with this girl that's babysitting. So he has to wash up. Yeah, it's true. And this is one of the shower scenes I can agree with because he's washing blood off of himself, which yeah, is great. His his sinewy, just pale, perfect body. Mm -hmm. He'd thrown his polo shirt in the garbage. But before that, when he's taking it off, he gets blood on his hand and he tastes it because that's what you do. And... Not, I wish he would have turned to the camera and broke the fourth wall, but he's just <laughs> to himself idly muses that this is not cranberry sauce. Yeah, it's not cranberry sauce. It's like, no, no, it's not. It's on the fucking box. Yeah, it's the tagline. <laughs> so I do like that line from him, even though he's addressing nobody and it's not even that funny, but it's so dry and just absolutely aloof as if he had expected it to be cranberry sauce, right? Mm -hmm. Like hilarious, ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Doesn't fit. Or maybe he thought that if if there was one or two drops of blood on him, he could have just said, oh, geez, that's just cranberry sauce. But since it's so fucking all over his body. Yeah, like a gallon of the shit on him. Yeah, he there's no way he could possibly pass it off as cranberry sauce. So he gets cleaned up, goes to his friend's house. She definitely is trying to get laid. And it's not like he's not aware of that, but he just doesn't want to do it. And my question, I guess, is why you want to hang out with her? Because she seems very interested in you sexually, 
Is it just for something to do? Well, he's in the midst of a blood rage, Wes. He is. So he's looking for excuses. He's like, you know, the minute you start making out with me, I'm just going to chop you up with the nearest sharp object. Um, maybe he wants to be triggered. That could be part of it. Or a, a, something that's a, a reasonable alibi to extend. That was my next guess. Too. Yeah. The uh, girl she's babysitting for just basically expects everyone to be fucking because she is a... Um, she's seeking a new husband and she's tricking her date Bill into being the sugar daddy for her and her baby, right? Mm. So there's a lot of like sexuality going on in there. So it would seem to me that the sort of place that Terry wouldn't want to spend any time around, but I think that he's seeking triggering or like he said, seeking an alibi. So of course he's there for the time being. Uh, Him and his friend leave, but he knocks on the door moments later to interrupt the girl who owns a baby and her date, Bill. Not to be confused with the other Bill. Yeah. <laughs> this is a tale of two Bills. Yeah, it was very confusing to me for a moment. But he walks in and kills the boyfriend off screen, so we don't know, while mm-hmm. the sexy mother is getting all dolled up and like uh putting on lingerie you know, yeah, and stuff lingerie and this like sexy little negligee and putting on garters and everything to try and impress this rich guy that she wants to like rope into a relationship mm-hmm. and she keeps being like oh i'll be one minute i'll be one minute and her baby's fussing she helps with that and then she comes back out and <laughs> yeah all sexified so i think that she thinks that maybe he's playing a little bit of a game too because he's outside for some reason Mm -hmm. and there's a little knock on the door and then she goes and looks out the peephole which is neat that like terry and todd's mom she has her peephole covered with indian corn so that peephole is useless they never use that in this i wish they would have Mm -hmm. why show that it's covered with indian corn if you're not gonna use it but whatever and she says, what are you doing out there? And you know right away that it's going to be a dead body. Mm-hmm. I figured that he would have just been like propped up. But no. No. Somehow within fucking seconds, like the little clown kid on this um, short wall that you had encountered who yeah. can do things in the blink of an eye, like escape. In the blink of an eye, Terry has chopped this guy's head off and strung it up with an electrical cord hanging just so outside the door peephole. So yeah. if you look at the peephole, you think he's standing right there, but he's not. It's just his yeah. head. I feel like that would take like a couple of, wait, let me look through the peephole so he still kind of looks alive. Because let me tell you something, man. Looking at this guy's head, if I looked at that through the peephole, there was no, there was nothing that would make me think that this was a living person. He looks like a decapitated head. Yeah. He looks like a dead guy. Oh, hell yeah. They did really good. Like, it is a really yeah. good prop and all. Yeah. There's another scene Ed French later himself. on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he did good casting his own head and yeah. making himself into <laughs> a dead dude. Um, there's another scene later with the... Friends try and trick other friends by thinking that they've killed one another or something. And they put on all this prosthetic makeup. And it's another thing that is like, you've been in this room making out for like five whole minutes. And then all of a sudden you have three hours worth of fucking hard FX work on your face. And this is where I'm fucking, this is as crazy as Corey Feldman having fully animatronic fucking heads in his bedroom in Friday the 13th. What? What? Yeah. Where, like, who? It's like, I can't believe the, the makeup worked. Yeah, it worked. It's movie ready. Yeah. Where, like, which one of you can apply 
makeup like this. Yeah, yeah. Did you have these prosthetics already spirit gummed and ready to go? Yeah. Yeah. I was fucking shocked. Yeah, it was. it's kind of ridiculous. Oh my god. Yeah, and it's also just ridiculous in the time. You know, some of the body discoveries that happen in this make sense because he does have time and he's roaming around and he's showing up here and there and following people around so he can show up ahead of them. Like he's, it all sort of makes sense time-wise. And if you have this like small mental map of this complex they live in, in your head, then it does all sort of make sense. But things like that don't, that you know take at least an, it would take probably a half hour to decapitate that guy and hang his head up there with the electrical cord, even if you had an electrical cord handy to do that with. like, I almost think that after the this death, these deaths, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, I almost think that Terry might actually spare his friends. Even though he has an argument with them, he seems very much about, well, we need to still stop, stop my brother. We need to find my brother. He doesn't seem... He there, there's nothing film wise has given me a hint that he would also kill his friends. Yeah, because you'd want to think that he's in blood rage right now, mm-hmm. so he's just gonna start slaughtering them. He has weapons all over the fucking place. He can mm-hmm. just walk in and fucking kill them all. Mm-hmm. He's still acting quite normal with them. Um, they know that uh, uh, Karen, his closest thing to a girlfriend that he actually has is she definitely has feelings for him because she confesses them to Todd. Yeah, which is she, hilarious. Yeah, and she's like, I want you to make love to me. I'm like, I don't know. Like, that's not hot. Let things happen. I'm sure that if she was talking to Terry, that's about what he would say because he is he's somewhat sex repulsed, right? But she says this to Todd, which is hilarious because he hasn't seen a woman in 10 years. Yeah. And he's and- still like, he he's honest and says I'm Todd. Yeah, which and, freaks her the hell out. And then and then uh, and then he kind of like shambles towards her. He's like, I've never kissed a girl before. And then she says the great line is like, Well, you ought to try it sometime. <laughs> Gotta go, bye. <laughs> which is hilarious, and that's that tonal difference. Right now, we've got this almost campy, hilarious scene of the crazy brother being mistaken for the what everyone else believes is sane brother, and the whole like i've never kissed a girl before it's kind of funny right Mm -hmm. juxtaposed with the mother losing her fucking mind she's cleaning the house incessantly she's binge eating sitting sprawled in front of the fridge it's crazy makes me question like i've had many encounters with binge eating before but not like the cartoonish level of it is cartoonish. Yeah, sprawled in front of the fridge and, and just then eating ju- with her hands and like, stuff. And like then next scene, chain smoking, pouring a, a a glass of wine all the way up to the brim. Yeah, not where you would fill a red traditionally at all. No, no, not at all. And shakily, she's doing it shakily while oh. she's dialing the phone because she's trying to get through to her boyfriend who's yeah. in his office I, down this the is, hall. This is fucking baffling to me. Yeah. Why she spends so much time in her bathrobe sitting on the sitting on the couch trying to get the operator to reach her boyfriend whom she can't reach because he ain't answering his phone, lady. He's dead. Yeah, which um, is hilarious. We know this. We, we know that he's dead. But she's sitting there trying to operate. I'm like, what is the fucking holdup? You live in this fucking complex together. His office is part of the complex. Walk there. 
she spends about a half an hour of this movie in her bathroom crying. There's a point where she drinks too much and passes out, which is hilarious. Yeah. And gets rescued by one of her sons and yeah. tucked back into bed. And mm-hmm. she asks, like, what happened? And he says, I think you've had too much wine. It seems very Terry-like things to do, tucking his drunk mother back into bed. But it's Todd mm-hmm. being very gentle. But she can't tell them apart. I like to pass it off because she's just filled her face with turkey leftovers and drank too much wine and smoked too much cigarettes and yeah, she's, she's out all, of sorts. She's all fucked up. That's the only way she wouldn't be able to recognize her son, I think. He's also wearing a different shirt, but whatever. This guy seems to change shirts a lot. Yeah. And then she gets up and spends another half a fucking hour trying to phone her boyfriend and freaking out on the phone in almost like something out of requiem for a dream Mm. level of fucking madness going coming from the mother it's a great storytelling technique to show where this madness in terry comes from his mom is knocking fucks but (laughs) it's done in it's done up against all of this campy fucking humor of the slasher you know in in the one of the documentary pieces that i was watching uh Ed French had said it's like she's she was in a different movie mm-hmm. in her mind she was in a different movie she was really trying to put a lot of gravitas and make this a hard hitting hitting drama even the way that she's delivering her lines in some parts is so hushed so quiet you can hardly hear it and everyone else who speaks speaks complete like loud and clear and she's whispering all of her dialogue she's whispering to her son in a drunken stupor she's whispering to the operator on the phone explaining that she brought pie today she saw her son he's escaped from the mountain she basically tells the operator everything and the operator tries to help the best they can i guess we don't know she's having a one-person conversation yeah and uh, and I'm wondering if that was if it was a lot of ad libbing that was asked of her because I know that sometimes in in, in film when you're looking at a conversation uh, and you don't hear the other person with that squeaky phone voice like, meh, 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 yeah. like if you don't hear that a lot of times what the actor is doing is either ad libbing dialogue or just having a one sided conversation reacting as if they're actually having that conversation uh, in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. The entire opening sequence of that phone conversation—that's all completely ad-libbed. There was, and and even the actress had no idea what she was supposed to say or do. She just—they just said, "Talk, you're all, you're having a phone conversation. Go." Interesting. Which is absolutely ridiculous. You know what? As it, as an actress, which I'm not. Yeah. I wouldn't even. I would not just pick up the phone and start yakking away. Like, what if I flub this? Like, what what is the, the motivation? What is the point? What? Um, give me fucking lines. If you're not gonna give me lines, at least like give me lines that I can respond to that the person would be saying or something. Like, I wouldn't just be like, okay, I'll just do whatever I want because I'm not the fucking writer here. Well, guess what? You're not the only one that hated that whole situation. The actress involved in that scene complained heavily about it, but she was treated like dirt on that set. So... (laughs) <laughs> that of course. really, really ridiculous. Um, the ad-libbing thing makes a lot of sense, and I think it happens even at the very end, because at the very, very end, she has this big, long string of lines um, that are like consoling her one of her sons, and it just goes on and on and on, and it sounds like she doesn't know what to say next. She was obviously not given lines for that scene, and it's a very poignant, important scene that really ties up this whole movie, and... She's just saying whatever comes to mind and you can tell, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. It comes across as a little extra crazy and creepy, which almost helps, but doesn't quite work. 
Yeah. Now, when the the fucking Karen and 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 them all are having that that party, that Atari drink and makeout fucking special effects makeup party that they're all going to. You make um, it sound fun. It does sound kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, now it sounds fun, but when they were doing it, it's just stupid. It's just four people very lamely hanging out. Mm-hmm. And it definitely shows that, yeah, it's like everyone who kind of lives in this building and just kind of swapping with each other, right? It kind of like the vibe that you get. It's just like, whatever, whatever. Yeah, it's like a commune almost. They keep all their doors open probably and they can just go over to whoever's house. And this is just what they do when they hang out. Yeah, it seems like a, like a, it is a this is a safe neighborhood. We all know each other. Anyways... When Kieran and Artie get totally terrified by the this fucking makeup thing, and they say that they're going to another part, there's like another party happening somewhere that they're gonna go to. Uh, these two want to stay behind because, uh, you know, she wants to play some tennis, and I, and they're like, yeah, okay, sure, and they walk away, and I'm like, tennis, eh? No, these motherfuckers are actually playing tennis. Yeah, can you believe it? I can sort of believe it. Sure, they have a tennis court there. They must do it all the time. Like, but I also did think that it was going to be code for oh my god, in the sauna or something. This is crazy to me that they're that they're saying, oh yeah, I want to have like yeah, she wants to play some a tennis. <laughs> no, they actually go play. Cut to playing tennis. I'm like, wow. They actually put on all their tennis. Oh my god, that's just another thing. It's like fucking like they're like fucking in tennis clothes. That's when you know you're fucking rich. It's when you have dedicated tennis clothes. I have dedicated tennis clothes and we were actually dirt poor. Wow. Well, well, you don't play tennis in like what we're wearing right now. Actually, I could play tennis in what I'm wearing now. Well, you can't, I can't play fucking tennis in jeans and my formal Misfits t-shirt. You're going to get sweat all over it. It's really gross. Yeah. You don't want, no. And you, I don't know if you could run exactly right. And the way that that jacket fits over your formal Misfits shirt I don't know if you'd have the right to reach for a backhand. I don't know. I don't know anything about tennis. I hit the ball too hard, much like they do. Yeah. And then the tennis ball goes flying. She goes looking for it. I was like, well, she's dead. Because fucking Terry's just sitting there like staring at them in the fucking woods. Creeper. Right? Total fucking creeper. He would be the nightmare in Shadow Woods. He would would be. Um, No, because they're now that they're done playing tennis, they're going to go, fuck. Like finally, yeah. finally, all this fucking this very um, they didn't need to go play tennis. A lot of this artifice, like a lot of very a lot of ritual around this the art of lovemaking that I wasn't aware of. It's like first you invite a lady over, and then you play video games and ignore her with your buddy. Then you go and sit with her on the couch and kiss with her a little bit. Then you go into the bedroom, make out a little bit, but then try to do a prank with special effects makeups. Then after your friends get mad at you for your prank, then you go and play tennis for a little bit. Then when the ball gets separated from the two of you, she goes and looks for it and then you rest on the floor. Then you start kissing her a little bit. Then you got to convince her to go to the pool so you can get naked and do the deed on the diving board. I, that... I don't know. I just, I don't date, so I don't understand any of this. Well, this is why after all these years, I still haven't had sex because I haven't done all these steps. You mean you haven't had sex after playing tennis on a diving board? I mean, no. No. <laughs> well, they get killed. Man, do they ever. Uh, freaking really nice uh, slash effects on the cheek. I really dig it. And uh, 
and and it's and he really walks up to them they're very naked bodies and just says don't do that yeah which i i enjoy very 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 much and later on when he has their bodies uh, put elsewhere in the sauna and there's a sign that says um clothes must be worn in the sauna and i thought that was a funny joke and even he seemed to think it was a funny joke he walked into the sauna where he had secreted the bodies yeah. and made a joke like oh sorry to interrupt guys ha 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 you guys will just do it anywhere won't you oh geez and he goes to pee and stuff like that i was like i've never seen a killer pee while he's on a murder spree this is interesting i like this guy a lot he doesn't wash his hands after though which doesn't quite fit and the fact that he will smoke weed with jackie very Mm -hmm. near the beginning of the film but he doesn't drink Mm -hmm. he doesn't seem to enjoy sex he's sex repulsed to a certain extent he tells them to not do it he calls them bad when people are having sex um so he's very like very square super square but he's still fucking smoke pot it's from the earth, baby. It's just that kind green leaf. Booze is from the earth. Uh, heavily processed. Yeah, but it's all the same thing. Like I, I don't like, I don't see how weed necessarily gets a pass, especially in that day and age where it was even more vilified as a drug and something bad. But the sex and the booze thing is like bad to him. It's like there's a missing scene of his dad screwing a whore and drinking vodka or something. <laughs> That's what happened to his bio dad. I don't know. Something. Maybe, maybe. No, it, it it does seem a little. It doesn't fit. In... It doesn't fit, and neither does his not washing his hands after making tinkle. Sucks. I go to the bathroom with that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to see him wash his hands after he took a piss, and like you said, his hands are probably filthier than his dick, and which is totally true. He yeah. might have had to wash his hands before he touched his dick because he's totally covered in blood by this point. Mm-hmm. He's killed almost everybody after he kills the people at the pool. Uh, he he goes and finds Artie and Karen who are together and basically shoes him away. He was kind of having a nice evening with Karen, but, you know, Karen likes uh, Terry for fucking some reason. Even though, like, I'm like, meh, I like this Artie guy. He's a much nicer guy. Yeah, he's like, go find Andrew and Greg. See you later. I'm going to hang out with my girl. Yeah, and I feel like Terry is specifically saying, thanks for looking after my girl, just to twist that proverbial knife just because he's been spending all day with her and he's like i'm gonna take her now and she's totally into it because she's like oh finally we get to like kiss and be together and shit like that yeah because she already she would have been telling him that he wanted to that she wanted to make out with him yeah but she accidentally told todd but whatever um Artie's already said things to her like moments before about how he's been single for quite a while and he's maybe not cut out for this single life and Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And she's like, I like Terry. <laughs> yeah. He's like, will you talk to him for me? I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah. Poor poor dude. But when he when he gets away, he he encounters Todd. And you think for a moment, you think for a moment that, oh, maybe he's actually going to be all right. Because he's encountered the right twin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. What do you think Todd's plan is? Do you think he's there to kill Terry? Or is he just there to... What like is he there to 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 uh, try to make people understand that Terry was the one that's killing people? I don't partially yeah because I don't know I was letting it all play out in front of my own eyeballs right so but what I kept expecting was him to get his mother and Terry together and have Terry confess and then who knows fate will take its course at that point if she wants to call the police 
if he freaks out and starts killing people, you know, like whatever, something's going to happen. But I kept waiting for this scene where Todd made Terry confess. That's what I think Todd's big plan was. But who knows? He's been locked up for 10 years. He doesn't know the ways of this world. So who knows? That's true. He recently encountered his old doctor. Yeah. Who's in two pieces. I <laughs> like the funniest fucking scene to me, honestly. It's like, legs go here. You're all right. You're just sleeping. It's not quite that comical. It's sad. It's quite touching that he yeah. has to put his doctor back together again. It's adorable because he, adorable. he grabs her legs. Her She's very bisected, guys. And guts everywhere. Guts everywhere. <laughs> just to talk to her, he just like brings her legs back to her body. So it's kind of like, yeah, all right. All right. It's, 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 it's fine. It's fine. You're fine. A little tape. A little See, I think the funnier scene is where Todd kind of fucked up because he encounters Artie in the car, but he has a gun. And maybe he would have got some fucking friendship if he didn't have the gun. But he points a gun at him right away. He's like, I need you to help me. And Artie's like, just call me Mr. Helper. (laughs) I thought was hilarious. That's a really great line, too. But I thought kind of like at that point, oh, maybe Artie is going to be like on his team now. Right? Yeah. Like, and, so and it's, like, uh, if Todd could like succinctly tell him, "Look, no, I've been locked away. I'm the wrong guy. Terry's a fucking killer. He's killed everyone. He killed my fucking doctor. Like, you got to help me get out of this fucking mess and get the fucking cops. Someone should get the cops, but nobody does. Um, but no. No, no, not at all. And in fact, once they're separated again, Artie's. Oh, he's just toast. Yeah. He's carved up like a turkey dinner. Quite. It's the um, carving fork through the neck scene. It's a really, really good kill. It's really fucking brutal and vicious. And it comes out with like, Terry's got like a fucking murder bag. Yeah, which is funny. It's got all of the uh, implements he's used already. Some we haven't seen him use yet. He's got like a pile of fucking weapons in the, in the bush, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed that scene very, very much. Which makes me think that this entire time... Terry has been waiting for a, a, an excuse, any excuse to deploy again. Oh, I think that he just gathered those this evening. Oh, I think really? If his mother would have treated him well all of his life, he would have just lived on with his mom, him and his mom being him and his mom, and nothing changing. So long as his mom never dated and no chicks tried to make out with him. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think he would have been completely fine. The only thing that would have made his life finer is Todd dying behind bars that probably would have made things a lot better and also he wouldn't have a a scapegoat so maybe the lack of the perfect scapegoat for his crimes also would deter him from committing any of them exactly because he's like well i got away with murder once because i'm able to blame my brother now my brother is no longer in the picture i have nobody to blame and i think it would arouse a lot of suspicion if there was a murder in my past that apparently i wasn't a part of but if murders happen while my brother's in prison or dead well then people are going to put two and two together yeah. i would say now it's like mom's making out todd's escaped i'm just gonna fucking kill everybody murder time yeah that's and, what i think yeah and at this point he decides to uh tell karen that he loves her it's tender oh it's sweet you know uh, he's chasing like, her with a machete no sh- sh- didn't you hear him <laughs> he said i love you <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a great scene maybe if she wouldn't have been running away screaming yeah then. yeah yeah. Maybe this is why I fail so hard at relationships. Could be. Could be. Yeah, because I'm taking notes. 
Tannen and me, I'm like, I heard him fine. <laughs> yes, he's covered in blood and has a giant machete over his head, and he's gonna, he's yeah. just about to chop at her with it. Yeah, I love this idea. Yeah. It's like, it's like we need to call the cops. He's like, no, no cops. And he's like, wait, you're right, the cops. They'll know what to do. <laughs> he's so calm. He's so weird. Like the the delivery of his lines is fucking fantastic. Yeah. And at this point. This is where um, Terry kind of graduates in my mind to one of my favorite killers. I know. And if there wouldn't have been little things at the beginning and little like things that don't meet up with his personality, mm-hmm. he would have been my favorite killer overall. Charming, witty, urbane. <laughs> He's hilarious. Completely aloof. Oh my God. It's so funny. And as he's chasing her... And she's absolutely terrified. She's looking for any help that she could possibly find. And she runs across a little girl that Todd encountered earlier who was looking for her kitty. Told her to not to let anybody in. Todd's a good guy. He's yeah, like, he said there's a bad man out here. So you should go home and lock your door and don't let anybody in. Yeah. And she listened to him. Yeah. So that when she's at the door pleading for her life and wanting some safety and help, she's like, Nope. You're going to hurt my cat. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, yeah, don't let her in if she's going to hurt your cat. <laughs> yeah. Because some random man in the forest told you to go home and lock your door. Whatever. Yeah. But. While Terry's cruising around with his machete, like walking like a fucking, like, so confident and sleek, sexy almost. Yeah. You're having visions of uh, Patrick Bateman and his chainsaw. Right. Yeah. And it's not quite as hot as Patrick Bateman, but we're getting fucking close. No, I, I can see that same gleam in your eye, though. It's the same sort of like look you get, the, like flushed cheek and flush twinkle cheeks. in your eye. Oh, you I, I, get, about... I get the vapors. You I do. Get, I get the vapors you talking do. about Bateman. <laughs> and you're getting that same sort of like thing going on. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he pushes all those buttons. He you. does. But there's also something else that he's got to take into account. It's that Maddie is hot on the trail. Because after her drinking and binge eating and... Crying on the phone cr- like a wild crying on the, woman. Like a crazy person to an operator that can't help her. She discovers a bloody shirt in the garbage. And then she decides, okay, I have to walk the <laughs> 20 feet to my boyfriend's office. It's come to that. <laughs> Which is so ridiculous to me and this is one of those films if you want to nitpick about stuff like you know some woman not be able to handle being a single mom so she has to rope in a sugar daddy and say things to her like newly born baby like i'm gonna get you a rich daddy and stuff like that which is absolutely aggravating because yeah she doesn't need to do that that's just pathetic and the fact that this woman is going to sit in her home and cry and weep and be a weirdo in her fucking house coat and cry to the operator instead of walking 20 goddamn feet to her boyfriend's apartment and knocking on the door like you helpless piece of shit barely worth your tits very aggravating to me yeah like there's a couple scenes in this that are very aggravating to me mm. yeah so finally she makes it there and you know what i think she deserves what she fucking gets yeah you know what but don't disturb your boyfriend he's got a splitting headache oh you're funny <laughs> you are so funny i gotta hand it to you wes <laughs> yes yes listeners she did it she did it <laughs> I made a joke. <laughs> she made a yeah. joke. Um, 
man, she d- touches his arm. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I like the scene a lot. It's it's yeah. fucking great. I, I like body collapse scenes in anything. It's it's a really... The special effects are fucking... Like, this is what you came here for. I, I find it funny that the body's been arranged in such a way where he's holding his head together. And it looks like he's holding his head in, in pain or, or tired or yeah, something like that. from the back, you would think you'd walk into his office. He's a man sitting in his chair that looks like it's made out of a couch. And he's 80s. got his elbows on the table and his head cradled in his hands and like a man with a headache or something like that. Or he's waiting or he's just mm-hmm. contemplating. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when he doesn't respond, she's getting closer and closer and then touches him. I'm surprised she doesn't see the blood absolutely that's, everywhere. That's the crazy thing. It's like the room is painted in blood. Well, this is also the woman amongst the crowd of people who didn't see her young eight-year-old twin boy smearing blood all over his other twin to frame him for a murder yeah that's true. so they're not very quick these people but she goes to console or like draw attention to or like at least like interact with her Mm -hmm. boyfriend who's dead slash ignoring her and then like the one hand the one arm that has no hand that's holding his head slips and then his other hand that was cradling his chin slips because he's dead and he's just covered in blood and then his head falls off of this cradle that had it had been in and falls in half. So you get exposed brain pan and everything on his desk. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. Looks fucking great. Yeah, it does look fucking great. Freaks the mom out. Yeah, and then she's going to make it all better. Rests, rests her head on his dead shoulders and then decides that she's got to make the move. Because she's fucking crazy. And I and I think that this very, very slow descent into madness over the last 90 minutes, culminating into what ends up happening, makes a lot of sense. It does. And it explains Terry very, mm. very clearly. Um, unfortunately, Todd's being locked away. He probably could have really helped his family had he been out. Because he probably definitely would have called Terry's psychopathy out eventually. And would have been like, Mom, you need to get some help. Mom, you shouldn't drink and clean like this. Like, I'm not going to hold it against her, the incessant cleaning. But, like, the way that she goes about it and the reasons that she's doing it are definitely psychotic. She has, like, deep-seated neuroses, too. So, like, he would have seen all of these things happening. What's cute is that Terry's studying psychology in university. That was a very interesting thing that I thought uh, it's it, it's a throwaway line you'd you'd forget about it, but it does go to understand that someone like him would be very interested in psychology, not only the psychology of others, maybe how to manipulate them, but also people's perceptions of psychology and what would make sense. It would make him a far more formidable killer if he would have this type of knowledge. He's probably been gaslighting his mom for the past 10 years heavily and like feeding and enabling her neuroses as well to make her crazier and crazier, a lot easier to control too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of beautiful for, you know, like I said, I wish that a little bit of the camp was dialed down. This could have been a a horribly terrifying story. Mm -hmm. Really. But instead, what we do get is hints, elements of the story that are a lot more serious in some parts and a lot goofier in others. Now, mm-hmm. when Terry is chasing Karen, the love of his life, this is where she starts discovering all the bodies that he's arranged. And up to and including him playing Artie's body like a puppet. Yeah, that was hilarious, too. And he's got the great laugh as well. Yeah. He's like, oh, you're no fun. 
as she's like, why are you doing this? And he's just like waving his friend's arms around. Yeah. She eventually tries to get inside some houses. Tank can't fucking do it because either people won't let her in or like no one's home or they're fucking dead. She goes inside the babysitter's house or not the babysitter's, but the, the woman who was trying to land that rich husband. And the baby is still alive and the baby's still there. She tries to call the police, but Terry shows up. She sacks the dude. And then grabs the kid, bolts the fuck out of there, goes to the swimming pool, stows the baby away underneath a cabinet. I wouldn't put it past Terry to fucking murk that kid. No, and this is where you have this wonderful scene of him. He's hidden bodies in the sauna. I really, really like when she gets to the pool area and he walks in behind her and just like, do-do-do, like nothing doing. She doesn't notice him because she's freaking out, rocking back and forth, holding this baby And he just, like, strolls up around the pool, walks to the end of the diving board, and he's just sort of grinning and bouncing on it, which is surreal. When when she looks around, she's like, oh, God. (laughs) It's just this exasperated, oh. And you swear, he's an inch away from being like, hey, how's it going? All (laughs) cheery-like. Yeah. I think it's funny. It's pretty fucking funny. And he just continues to bounce on the the diving board while she scrambles around into the shower area and hides the baby. Hmm. Well, good news. Todd's hot on the trail. I guess that's good news. I don't really know what he was going to do, but he definitely wants to fight his brother. He has a piece on him that he grabbed from the doctor. And when Karen bolts out of the shower area uh, after like her brief encounter with Terry, he aims the gun and he doesn't look like he's going to do it. Karen fucking just takes that gun right out of uh, Todd's hands. Well, yeah. And and she's like, okay, I'm going to fucking kill this motherfucker. Well, yeah, you worry that he's going to hesitate. It's his brother after all. You yeah. Know? And she warns him that she'll kill him. Uh, she fires off that gun. Yeah. It's not loaded. It's a shame that... I swear he checked that gun earlier, though. It's I weird. I swear he checked like, it when it came out I don't, of her purse. I don't... Like, I'm assuming that it wasn't loaded. I don't know if the gun had just jammed. That or it's Todd, and he's like, I don't want to kill anybody. He's never killed anybody before, right? Yeah. So maybe he popped the gun open, saw it wasn't loaded, and was like, good, and closed it again. Yeah. So he was like, he's like, this is my... You're going to go to jail, or you're going to go to the... You're going to go to the institution... You're going to pay for your crimes, but I, I'm not going to murder you because I'm not like you. Yeah, that could be part of it. Thing, little things we don't know. Little things we can pretend build Todd's character. We're, we're, we're not exactly sure, but what we do know is these boys get into a massive fight, heads into the pool. You almost think that, like, you think for a moment, oh, what's going to happen here is they're going to, like, somehow in their tussle, like rip their shirts off and then like get out of the pool and then Karen will be like I don't know which which it is and, yeah, and it'll that's be really what I thought was like, gonna happen. It's gonna be one of those things like I don't know which twin is gonna get killed, but what ends up happening is Maddie comes in the room like a woman possessed, like a zombie almost, yeah. raises her gun because Terry wins that fight, I guess, and Todd's like fucked up under the water. Karen manages to pull him out while Maddie shows up and just fucking perforates this motherfucker yeah she shoots him many times and i thought we'd get a little more visual because she shoots him and we have the camera behind him because they're pulling the actor actually Mm -hmm. um todd out of the pool so they have their stand in right the bad wig and she shoots him through the stomach it seems and then it cuts back so we've got the cracked actor playing terry and 
she shoots him through the eye, yeah, which is great. That's a perfect shot. Um, it should have really brought him down, I think. But then she shoots him like one or two more times. Yeah, it's crazy to me because like by the time you nailed him in the eye, I'd be like, well, you got him. Yeah, That's totally. The, like he's dead. She's that furious. Blood everywhere. He ends up in the pool. We get a really nice scene of uh, blood in the pool. Oh, I've yeah. always enjoyed blood in the yeah. water. And you'd think almost she's going to shoot him again, right? Yeah. But we know that she hasn't shot the right son. At this point, we're not sure who she thought she shot. I was pretty sure that she knew she'd shot Terry. Me too. Unfortunately for her, she thought she was shooting Todd. She did. And she still maintained that Terry was the innocent one. And as she is just wailing it's gonna be just us from now on she's cradling you're my good boy you never just, hurt anybody i'll just, take care of you it's just us now like no more no one else just us just us he's and and uh, and then she name drops the wrong twin and then he says but i'm taught i'm taught i'm taught and so Either humiliated that she had thought that Terry this entire time was innocent or that she still thinks Terry was innocent and she, in her estimation, has killed the wrong twin. Or the guilt having always known. It's possible all three ways. Yeah. And in that peak of fiery madness, she kills herself. That's kind of a beautiful scene, too. Mm -hmm. One of the other spots, we don't get to see what happened effects-wise, but mm -hmm. that's fine. Um, there is a nice spray of blood, and then the, the gun goes scattered across the um, mm -hmm. echoey pool floor. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. And yeah. then the cops are coming, because someone Karen, finally fucking called them. Yeah, Karen, maybe all the gunplay and murder has like tipped them off. Uh, or that little girl. I'll bet you that little girl was like, that man that said there was someone bad out there that's probably who that lady was running from so i'm glad i didn't let her in but i'm still gonna call the cops anyway because i'm a smart seven-year-old girl she is um and then credits were out yeah that was fun it's not cranberry sauce <laughs> it's not cranberry sauce not everything can be i really wanted to do this movie because it's a really great example about how so much can slip through our notice as horror fans and especially things that combine elements that we like 80s slashers psychological horror. psychological horror gore holidays and twins all these elements conflating into one film and we missed it and that's how come like these days there's this real trend of between arrow and scream factory and whoever the fuck else vinegar syndrome yeah just just digging up some of these movies from the mothballs and giving you this big bloated special features laden blu-ray copies of films with like all original art and they they fucking dust off the actors and bring them back for interviews and all this extra stuff it's crazy how in a lot of ways this type of market is dying in every way, shape, or form to the point where, you know, I, like I listen to podcasts or I listen to people on YouTube and, and the people always kind of throw out jokes about like, uh, yeah, like, like you remember stores, DVDs, remember those? I'm like, there's still a booming industry because in all, like, it almost is fucking appropriate that as the rest of the world is moving on, it's a golden age 
for horror grindhouse and exploitation fans who love collecting physical media because you're getting the best versions of all of this stuff coming mm-hmm. out now. And it seems crazy to me that it it just is so big right now. Like, it just seems like these are constantly getting released. They're constantly... Here's a... Like, there, uh, there's a fucking Steelbook edition of Driller Killer coming out. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy to me. No, it's totally true that a lot of these gems are being dug up, and it's not necessarily a bad thing at all. I think it's a great thing. And a lot of them are things that we'd have never seen before. Mm-hmm. People have been doing it for quite a while, like, from Criterion. Uh, Sentai Selects even has one where they're mm-hmm. digging up some older anime. Uh, Chris had something to say about it on the last Bind Torture cast about why people are willing to shell out 30 or 40 bucks. It's because we can. You know, mm-hmm. you can tune into that episode to hear what he has to say about it. They do report quite a bit on their what's being released in their news section about the things that are coming out that are of note to horror fans. We don't normally get into the news very often, but like he buys some of it, you buy some of it. I barely buy any of it. Like I bought pieces because that was a very <laughs> important film to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some things that are glaringly missing. I always bitch how we don't have a proper box set of Children of the Corn. Yeah. But they do in the UK, you know, but, but people are paying attention to these sort of releases like never before, mm-hmm. probably because we can because we're of an age where we have this disposable income, Mm -hmm. as Chris had said. But it's also like things like Blood Rage, where we might have never seen it. It wasn't on the shelves. The video stores only had so much space to stock these Mm -hmm. things. And they had all kinds of other movies and a lot of the classic horror that were littering the shelves and not making as much room for this 80s slasher. And it was a boom. Mm -hmm. At the time, there's lots of them. There's probably a mountain of them, and we're seeing the tip, right? Mm-hmm. And not to say that all of them are good or deserve a Blu-ray release or a no, steelbook fucking special edition. I always think that as horror collectors, as fans of this particular genre, sometimes we can perceive ourselves as archivists, as historians. And the reason why we like to purchase these things and keep them and to hold them, it's not because... Dr. Butcher is the greatest fucking movie in the world or that Driller Killer needs a steelbook edition. But when it has all of the footage and all of this extra information, there almost can be a part in our brain that says, well, if I don't own this, who will? And then you put it on the shelf and it's there and you know that at for some reason, sitting there on the shelf is the definitive documented proof of this film's existence and... It's safe with me. It's kind of like that. That's how come like I'm so into retro video games and all that kind of stuff, even though tons of people are. It just feels like in that case, it's a little different because there's a, a finite amount of that stuff. It's not being made anymore. So every time, you know, people might not care about a Super Mario Duck Hunt getting destroyed. But my attitude is like they're not making any more of those. You keep doing that. And sooner or later, there's not going to be any more so that's sort of the mindset that we were trapped in for a long time that's why i had pieces on vhs for so long because in my mind that's that was the end of it they weren't going to make any more pieces yeah oops (laughs) i was wrong (laughs) but that's also why i had like soul tangler and that is the crappiest smallest indiest 80s horror i'd ever encountered in my entire life yeah ever you can go on YouTube and watch it now. 
mm-hmm. to your heart's content. There is other subsequent releases. It's been released. It had a theatrical release a couple of years ago, which was mind-boggling to me because there are these films like I think Blood Rage deserves even more viewership. I think Blood Rage deserves a little more attention. Soul Tangler, not so much. It's not good. Mm-hmm. And there's people out there saying, like, this is the best. And, oh, you've got to see this. No, you really kind of don't. You kind of really got to see Blood Rage, though. Mm-hmm. I think that's an mm-hmm. excellent choice for this sort of hype. Some yeah. movies don't necessarily deserve it. And unfortunately, there's movies that really do deserve better treatment. And treatment like this, it seems like to be a very a full package oh with these God. extras yeah. and other outtakes and all the versions of it yeah the the very heavily cut version that was in theater and to this vhs release that was extremely gory and deliciously uncut Mm -hmm. all of its alternate titles and the stories behind all of that like that's a wonderful package there's a lot of great movies that have none of that yeah no extras basket case doesn't have a lot of stuff they have a featurette but a lot of the other footage is missing Mm -hmm. forever destroyed Mm -hmm. and gone and they can't pack all of the wonderful things that we'd love to see in some of these releases. Soul Tangler, I couldn't care less if they had 17 hours of extras. It's not (laughs) interesting to me. Well, there's only so much polish that you can do to a turd, right? Yeah. (laughs) But anyways, next week we're getting back into the Halloween of it all. Because we are going to be doing, this is the first episode of our Halloween special of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre commentary track, which I know you've been looking forward to. Kind of. Not really. The next one is what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I have three copies of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the Louvre here. <laughs> oh, Dead Air Central. And I like it. I'm not going to say it's not my favorite film. It's one of my favorite films. Sure, I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 way better. It'll be interesting. I don't like commentary tracks. Our episodes are getting longer and longer. You could almost use any of them as a commentary track. Feel free, you know, if that's what blows your hair back or floats your boat or knocks your teeth in or whatever the hell people say nowadays. (laughs) So, like, feel free. You know, if you really must use it as a commentary track, feel free. (laughs) Commentary tracks freak me out. But it's that right amount of stress that I'm looking for. Stress. Yeah, any stress. Why should you be comfortable? (laughs) True. Why should anyone ever be comfortable? (laughs) And on that note, I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air. Blood Rage version. 